Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. I turned 30 at the end of July last year, right before I got diagnosed. Um, I did not expect to be questioning my own mortality. Pelotonia has helped me process my entire experience. It's been the perfect outlet for me to try to figure out how I can thrive moving forward. Welcome to One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. We're a passionate community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research. I'm your host and Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an unstoppable community, and it's through research we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners for making all of this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. From the moment we first met her, Abigail McLean exuded confidence. She's the type of person who has her own commanding style, a style that says, I know where I'm headed and how I'm going to get there. But not too long ago, this young professional began an unexpected journey that made her confront challenges she never anticipated. In addition to discovering the power of advocating for your own health, it was also a time of deep reflection as she allowed herself to feel a full spectrum of uncomfortable emotions. In the midst of a dim situation, Abigail pressed on and saw it through. What she saw on the other side was a brand new chapter and a renewed sense of purpose. But let's get to know her first in this powerful episode titled, Abigail's Radiation Ride. So let's start with a little bit about who you are, your background, and and sort of how you ended up, um, you know, in the hospital with some, some pretty strange things going on. Well, I have been in Columbus for about 10 years now. I did a brief stint for about a year in New York City, um, but Columbus has been my home for quite some time. My partner Mark and I have been together for about six years. We live downtown, um, and I have two stepchildren. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, your story came to us, uh, you know, just through sort of the various channels in the community, and um, it was interesting because we realized you were a first-time rider and signed up. You were raising all this money, but you're also sharing some pretty personal things, you know, on social media and, and stuff that. Um, really intrigued us and interested us and let's start at the beginning of that and how how you ended up going through that journey you know my story began last summer it was early july um i had just come home from a pilates class i do pilates at lifted studio in german village and i got home from my morning class and my partner had just got home from a run and he was just cooling down and we're kind of sitting there and graphic but I'm pretty sweaty and I'm kind of feeling on my neck and I'm like you know what this is weird so naturally I asked Mark come over here and feel this and he's like I don't you know I don't need to feel this lump on your neck that's weird no it's fine it'll go away 
I kind of dismissed it, moved on. Um, we had gone on a family vacation. When I came back, I had noticed that I had tulips. I was like, this seems a little odd. You know, I'm the type of woman that every year I go in and get my physical. You know, I get my eyes mm -hmm. checked as needed. I go to the dentist every six months. So I just decided I'm going to go in, get it checked out. Yeah. And was it a lump that you you could see right away or you were just sort of feeling around? Just feeling you, it. It's like, okay, something strange. Yeah. So I don't even think at that point I'd gone on Google. So this is just thinking like, oh, this is weird. Maybe it's just like a cyst or something. Um, and I did ultimately go into my doctor's office. It was a Friday afternoon. And I just kind of said, hey, there's this lump there. And he confirmed that, okay, yes, I do actually feel two of them. Um, there was a smaller one that looked like a third one that was forming. Um, and he just, you know, hey, normal response, let's monitor it. Mm -hmm. We did some blood work, we'll see how that comes back. Um, and we just, you know, kind of go from there. Fast forward to Sunday night, I was at home and all of a sudden I just noticed like I can't see my left collarbone and I'm like this is odd this is the side where the lumps were on kind of what's going on yeah. and at this point I'm thinking oh my gosh this could be an infection so I decided to book a telehealth appointment which turned out to be a pretty crucial appointment that I had COVID was going on so I ultimately moved forward and had this telehealth appointment I'm on my iPhone talking to him and I'm explaining the symptoms. I had just been in to see my physician on Friday. We're just gonna monitor this. And he's instantly like, no, absolutely not. Hold on, this is crazy. You're, you're calling me telling me that you have lumps in your neck, your collarbone is now swollen. Yep. With your age and what you're telling me, fatigue, you know, I had shared that with him. He goes, you need to call your primary care doctor, Dr. Morrow. You need to demand a CT and you need to demand a biopsy. Based on what you told me, I'm very nervous that this could be lymphoma, mm -hmm. um, specifically due to my age. That was very hard to process. Monday morning rolls around and I call my doctor's office back. Unfortunately, my physician was out of town. The receptionist says, I'm gonna share the message with him. He hasn't read it and um, I'll get back to you. So here I am waiting. I'm expecting to be seen, okay, by somebody else in the practice that day. Yeah. That's what I expressed to them. If he can't get me in to, be, to have me be seen, I wanna see somebody else. So it took until Wednesday that I was able to beg for an appointment with another physician. And one of the biggest pieces of um, feedback, I guess I was given during that process, like, you know, from Monday to Wednesday, I'm just demanding, I need to see a doctor, I need to see a doctor, I need to hear back. Um, the receptionist was like, you know, I know you're worried about what this doctor told you via telehealth, but you know, you don't have cancer, cancer doesn't just pop up overnight. And I'm like, I just need a CT and a yeah, biopsy. I want the confirmation of that, right. To see a physician. So I go in and I see another younger doctor in the practice. Um, we kind of just go through some of my symptoms. He feels the lumps as well. My primary care doctor did end up ordering the CT and it did come back that there was actually several lumps throughout my upper mediastinum and the left and right side of my neck. The doctor looks at my CT and he's like, yes, you know, um, all I can see is what's on here and what's on here and what you're telling me. There is a possibility that this, you know, could be Hodgkin lymphoma. It was an interesting few months after that, a few weeks, excuse me. Um, and I eventually got the biopsy ordered. It was a Tuesday morning, I got it done. And um, by Friday afternoon, I got a call at one o'clock, I think it was August 21st. And I got the phone call that um, it was in fact Hodgkin lymphoma. Was there ever any pain associated with your lumps? 
were associated with sort of the swelling you were seeing on your collarbone or anything? I had been experiencing serious fatigue since January of 2020. I couldn't, I couldn't get through a workout. And then it was, I couldn't walk up the steps without getting out of breath. And I had this terrible chest pain and yeah. all over body pain. So August 21st, mm-hmm. you get definitive news that mm-hmm. you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. What'd you feel in that moment? Did you feel relief? Oh, pure relief. It was like a weight lifted off my chest. I was like, okay, I'm not a hypochondriac. At that moment, I felt vindicated in a way. Yeah. Which is a weird response. Well, no, you feel vindicated in the, look, you trusted your gut and you know your body better than anyone and you advocated for yourself. And like, I think that's a really important component of survivorship, of sort of taking care of yourself is like, you gotta believe in yourself. A little bit. I mean, it's almost a metaphor for life mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, but I mean, it's one of the most important things for anyone going through some sort of cancer experience is that like, you're going to be your best advocate. You know, what sort of started to happen after in terms of putting together a treatment plan and sort of what did the next couple weeks and months really mm-hmm. look like for you? Well, I did have my moment where my primary care doctor had to call and tell me that I did have cancer. I made it very clear that I wanted to be at the James and they needed to make sure that I was seen as soon as possible. So that Friday, I actually, after my primary care doctor called me at 3.30, I got a call from the James booking my very first appointment and I was seen the following Tuesday. That was an amazing experience. My um, oncologist, Dr. Perla, put up on the whiteboard an entire breakdown of, of course, everything I had, I had been reading, every white paper that I could get my hands yeah. on, every clinical article, but he broke it down in such a way for us that it was, um, it, I was so at ease. It was so reassuring. Yeah. And we basically put together a plan that we needed to get some fertility stuff in order. Um, I needed to see survivorship um, mm-hmm. at the James. It- the fertility piece of young adult cancer is like one of the sort of great unknowns, mysteries that until you're in the throes of it, you know, I had cancer when I was 21. I was a college student. I had, that was like the last thing on my mind. Mm-hmm. And then they're putting these forms in front of you and information in front of you. And you're like, wait, I thought cancer was just about being sick. And it wasn't thinking like this far into my future sort of uh, those circumstances. And it's, it's a really interesting part of the experience, the fertility piece. It was way more than I expected. Um, I, you know, I feel like as a woman that's 30 years old, I do know people now that are dealing with fertility issues. So it's definitely a conversation people around me are having. But for somebody that thought that I wasn't going to have children, this was like a crash course that happened very quickly. Yeah. Very impressive, the lengths that people went through. I mean, we knew I, we were on a time crunch. When I first met with my oncologist, he had said, let's shoot for the 1st of October to start your chemo. We just have to make sure we can get all these things done within that time period. Yeah. And I felt like everybody that I spoke with at the James, like we all had the same goal. I mean, it was so efficient. It was so streamlined. It was so much taken off my plate that yeah. this was a whole new healthcare experience for me. What did your treatment look like? You know, chemo, radiation, many surgeries, like what? was your process, and I feel like everyone's is unique. Um, So curious what that looked like for you. 
Prior to starting my first uh, round of chemo, I had my egg retrieval done. So I was put under for that. That was the first time I was ever put under. It was a very brief procedure. I woke up out of it early Thursday morning, went home, um, and then that following Tuesday, I had my first round of chemo. My body was going through a lot, Mm -hmm. hormone-wise, and my oncologist had kind of warned me that, hey, your first round is likely going to be the roughest just because your body is dealing with so much because of the hormonal changes from the egg retrieval, everything that we had to do. Just a heads up, this might be really rough. There were some adjustments at first, you know, what side effects I was dealing with, um, the nausea, you know, getting my pre-meds before chemo, right? Getting all the stuff that comes after chemo Mm -hmm. that no one warned me about, that I found out about the hard way. Um, I spent the entire time that I was going through chemo, I did four rounds of ABVD. So that was eight infusion days that I was there. Okay. And, um, there was something we had to tweak every single time I yeah. went through an infusion. Yep. I mean, it's another sort of, you know, testament to like knowing your body, right? And like knowing what you're going through, being able to describe it to the nurses who are helping you so that they can sort of start to tweak things. Mm-hmm. And it sort of goes back to the being your own advocate. I'm very happy to be here. So reflecting upon the experience of the last year, You strike me as someone that is very thoughtful, enjoys very deep conversation, you know, introspective, emotional. And so when you think about the experience you have, that you've had and are continuing to have, what, like, what sticks out to you? Like, what would you tell someone? What would you tell someone that's about to go through it? What would you tell someone that has no idea what it's like to go through it? Like, you're perspective on life, your perspective on friendships, on people. I'm like so curious if it's changed any of that, if it's made any, you know, fires burn, you know, brighter, like what it's done for you and your mentality about things. I have told everybody that I've spoken to um, that's either going through treatment or just getting ready to start treatment that my number one piece of advice is to accept all the feelings that come to you, sit with them, It's going to be uncomfortable, but that's the only way that you're going to process them. I had a very positive experience during treatment, um, meaning I was able to get through it. I think that's positive for me. That was a total win that I came out alive and I feel like I'm thriving. But when I reflected on what my mental state was and what I was actually going through during chemo, um, the one thing that stuck out with me is that I did have a, a lot of very difficult moments. I did not expect to be questioning my own mortality at 30 years yeah, old. Yeah, no one does. You know, it was very uh, dark. There is one night specifically that I can remember. I, for the first time, experienced being paralyzed by fear um, in a very physical way to where I could not get up out of bed. I felt like I was a mummy laying in bed, hands tight by my side. I was, my body was so rigid. I felt the most unbelievable weight on my chest. This was the most intense anxiety I had ever felt before. Mm -hmm. And I stared up at the light on the ceiling and I just thought back to myself, um, 
not necessarily that I have regrets in my life, but there are so many things I would have done differently. I have images of Mark and moments that we have, you know, flashing through my mind. I have my two stepkids and I have memories with them and there's so much more I want to do in the future. I think about my mom. I think about my three sisters, my dad. I mean, it was just almost like a collection of photos as my body is completely rigid and still in bed that I have these images that are just passing through my mind rapidly. And at this point, I'm honestly wondering, am I quite possibly having a psychotic break right now? Has the stress peaked? Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly couldn't reach for the phone. I couldn't pick it up. At some point, tears are running down my face, but I'm not moving. I'm not sobbing. This isn't like a release. It was just, I was stuck in a state of, of fear. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing that I could think of was that I was going to die. Yeah. You know, for the first time in my life, I faced my own mortality head on and I just had to see it through. By letting myself feel all of that, I feel like my perspective as a whole changed. And so at some point along the way, you got interested in cycling or Pelotonia or both at the same time. Mm -hmm. You'd seen your friend Megan participate in Pelotonia over the years, and, and obviously the thought had crept into your brain that, that maybe this was something you wanted to do this year. But what was the hook that, that really got you to commit and sort of speak it into the universe? Megan and I went to college together and she rides, I think, almost every single year. So I had always seen her fundraising efforts along the way. She um, rode in honor of her uncle previously and she had put something up um, earlier this year that she was going to be riding in honor of me as well as her uncle this year. Um, and I had been proposing this idea for people. It kind of hit me, I would say, by December that I wanted to do something to give back. I had connected with a lot of um, AYA, mm -hmm. adolescent, young adult cancer patients. So I had started communicating with people, any organizations that I could get involved with just to kind of help people that are starting and then also find somebody that could kind of mentor me through it. Um, I really felt like it was my calling this year to see if I could push myself to do Pelotonia um, just to give back financially. Being in Columbus as long as I have, Pelotonia is probably one of the organizations that I have always admired the most. I knew it would be physically challenging and I just felt a calling to be involved specifically with Pelotonia. Every dollar I raised would go directly mm -hmm. back to where I received treatment and I just had such an amazing experience at the James that I knew Pelotonia had to be the organization that I worked with. I mean, you probably know this, that financial stressor can be one of the most... It's huge, especially for young adults and, mm -hmm. you know, being just in your 20s and 30s and just trying to figure life out and then adding hospital bills on top of that. Right. And I that was something I continuously saw throughout treatment. For some reason, that really stuck out to me and I wanted to find a way to give back. Um, and after chemo, I was trying to find a way to get active again, incorporate movement back into my just daily life or on a weekly basis somehow, mm -hmm. um, because that kind of came to a halt, obviously, during chemo. And I just told myself one night in front of a couple of friends, it, 
I think I'm going to do Polytonia this year. And it was one of those things where I spoke it out loud. Yeah. So then I was like, I'm going to do it. So I walked into roll on one afternoon with my partner. I was like, maybe this Pelotonia thing like needs to start happening. Let's yeah. figure it out. I have a cruiser with yep. a wooden bike on the back. I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, why don't we just stop by roll right now? It's like getting real all of a sudden. You're walking <laughs> into the bike very shop. Quickly. I walked into roll and I'm like, I'm getting ready to start radiation. And I want to ride in Pelotonia this year. I need a bike and I need all the components for a bike. Mm -hmm. Can you help me out? Yeah. And that's when they just kind of looked back at me and they're like, you know, you have cancer and you're yeah. going to do a hundred miles in August. It's amazing. It's <laughs> so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Looking back, I definitely didn't realize how sick I probably looked at mm -hmm. the time, but now looking back and seeing photos from back then, I'm like, okay, I looked pretty sick to be walking in and saying, yeah, I'm going to ride a hundred miles and, uh, and you bike. Know. <laughs> oh, I was so proud. I'm like, I'm doing Pelotonia. I have cancer. I'm going to raise a ton of money for people this year. Help me out and get me on the road. That's and awesome. Um, that's how it happened. And then my sister actually gave me the idea for um, Abigail's radiation ride, which kicked off my Pelotonia fundraising. So it was my goal every single day to ride rain or shine, no matter how cold it was, um, out on my bike that I would ride and I would share it on social media um, just to kind of to tell people about my radiation journey and um, you know, to, to see how much money I could raise. It's inspiring to see someone going through active radiation out it, there, right? Like it was a, a lot. Yeah. Um, some days I was like, this is crazy. I had radiation every single day, Monday through Friday. Wow. Um, we have two stepkids. And so some days was a total pressure cooker. And I mean, we were about to burst. Um, but I was more nervous going into radiation than I was to chemotherapy. Um, that mm. was a big sticking point for me. And this was something where it was almost better to have the stress of like, we just got to get through the day and we have a lot to do rather than the stress of me knowing, oh my God, I have to go in for radiation. I just left foot, right foot every single yeah. day. I knew what I had to do and it helped me tremendously. So when did your radiation finish up? So it was supposed to be for three weeks, okay. and we actually got word that I was only going to need two weeks. Okay. So we ultimately decided to nice go, surprise. very <laughs> nice surprise, to go with the lowest dose possible. So we did wrap up two weeks early, but I did it 10 days with a brief pause in between. Um, I got my COVID vaccine, and okay. the side effects were pretty real one day. Yep. But I did two weeks, we wrapped it up, and I was done. So now you're sort of in the stage of just follow-up and scans, and how often are you going? Every month? Every couple weeks? So I actually found out I had my um, post-radiation PET scan to see if everything was cleared up, and I actually did get the all clear. What'd that feel like? You know, I feel like we've had so many tiny little celebrations of, like, little victories along the way. I had such an amazing community of people that showed up for me before, during, and even after treatment. Um, so there was a lot of celebrating little victories. You know, I ended chemo. That was obviously a, a huge victory. I think I had 10 flower deliveries that day of just like, it was, I mean, it was a major milestone for yeah, me yeah, as it is for, I'm sure everybody. everybody. And, you know, we celebrated that and then we kind of celebrated the end of radiation and that I made it through that. Um, but when we got 
the call and the message that, you know, I was all clear after radiation and almost felt like this chapter was ending and the new one was starting. I'm accepting that I am in survivorship right now and learning about what that looks like for me and what works for me. And um, it's, I'm very happy to be here. I'm curious what you're expecting or what you're excited about for Ride Weekend. So I think it's going to be a very cathartic experience for me. So I would be lying if I said I'm not a little nervous for how emotional I might get that day. Yeah. I get a little uncomfortable when I cry comfortably. Um, like I said, I can sit in my feelings when yeah. I'm alone, but um, Pelotonia has helped me process my entire experience. It's been the perfect outlet for me to try to figure out how I can thrive moving forward. Thanks so much to Abigail for telling her story and for her strong support of Pelotonia. We'd like to encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family so they too can draw strength and inspiration from this journey you just heard. All of this is made possible because of our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. On the next episode of One Goal, you know this member of our community, but you've never experienced their story like this. This has been One Goal, a storytelling podcast from Pelotonia. I'm your host, cancer survivor and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. One Goal is carefully crafted and produced at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orange Udio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being willing to share their inspiring journeys for this podcast. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe so you can get seasons one and two, as well as future episodes. If you want to learn more about the Pelotonia community and how you can make an impact on cancer research, see the link in the show notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.